Well done for coming to church instead of uh, watching the T20 cricket. And uh, we've got a few announcements. While we're doing the announcements, the tithe basket's going to go around. Um, I really want to say that on the one hand, uh, if you are new, we don't want you to feel obligation to give. Because I know people who don't often come to church, you look at us and you're like, ah, all you guys want is my money. We don't. We'd prefer you just to come to church. Um, but here's the other side of it. I really believe that giving is an opportunity God gives us to partner in His economy. And it's a gift to us because it reminds us that He's our provider and it reminds us to partner with Him. So if that's you and you give uh, entire to this church, uh, keep on doing it and God uh, will take you on a faith journey, which is awesome. So, Father God, I just pray for people who are faithful in their giving, and I pray your blessing and your abundance on them. May they know you as their provider, in Jesus' name. Amen. And please switch cell phones and kids to silent. And um, we've got a quick announcement. So our podcasts, uh, they're generally on there on SoundCloud, but we've been having a few issues with that platform lately. Um, and so we're going to migrate them shortly to a whole bunch of, you know, the Apple ones and the Google ones and all the different ones. But in the meantime, they're on YouTube. And what's awesome about that is if you've got the app on your phone, you can download them and then uh, listen to them later when you're out of Wi-Fi range, like when you're driving to work and back. So that's where you can find them. If you've got our website, uh, there's a link straight on as you come on the page and you can find all our sermons there. Uh, and then we've got some announcements. The first one, and I think this is by far the most important, is that This Is Yours starts tomorrow night. And uh, This Is Yours is a course which myself and some other people run. Some of them are here in the front row. Uh, and we're really excited about this because essentially it's a course that exists to help people who are either new to the faith or new to this church um, integrate uh, and really find a home here. And so sometimes, you know, if you're new to faith and you're exploring this Jesus, thing, you got like a whole bunch of questions, you get to ask those there and meet other people, and sometimes if you're new to this church, you actually go, what does this church really believe, you know, compared to the last church I was at, and again, it's a place where you get to journey and discover, uh, yeah, learn about us, so I'm going to be here, it'd be really great to have you, please sign up afterwards, um, and then we've got a Freedom in Christ course, now Freedom in Christ is a phenomenal course that helps you, again, like what I just spoke about in communion, helps you realize what Jesus Christ has already done for you. And what Jesus has already done for you has, uh, has provided for your freedom, complete freedom, at the cross. Uh, I, th this course comes from a guy called Neil Anderson. He wrote two books, and I read them. Uh, and this is the thing that God used to set my life free of lingering depression and fatigue. And so I love this course. It radically, radically changed my life. Uh, it's powerful. And we've probably had about 1,000 plus people uh, come through it uh, over the years. So if you haven't done it, uh, sign up. Um, and then we've got some other grow groups, opportunities for you to get involved. And so Sunday is a big gathering. And, you know, you can come in and leave and say hi to a few people. But these are opportunities for you to meet people and grow with them. And so we've got some cool courses. We've got a premarital course, uh, which, again, so if you want to get married and you've got someone, you're in that process and that it helps you have all the fights early. No, I'm joking. You don't have to fight. But it helps you have all the discussions that you're going to have anyway uh, and provides a framing for that. We've got business courses. We've got some supernatural courses that help you really understand some of the more um, supernatural, meaning that they're not scientific. They're beyond this world aspects of our faith and amazing ways to grow. And then we've got uh, a business breakfast coming up. And uh, it's 150 bucks. You've got to sign up for it because if you don't, we're not going to have any food for you because we'll give the food for the people that signed and paid the 150 bucks. But we've got uh, two people uh, coming along there. Dumele, did I say that right? I'm really trying. Yeah, thanks. And Nshlanshla uh, Kambule. How's that? Luto, close. 
Okay, he's very encouraging. He's got a gift of encouragement. That's how I look to him and no one else. Um, but here's the thing is that both of these men, the first, Dumelezele, uh, is in the Chamber of Commerce, Durban Chamber of Commerce. He's a guy who carries real weight within our city. And the second, uh, Mr. Kambule, is, uh, is an investment. I've got this here. He's the CEO of Edenvest Holdings. And so these guys are, real, uh, are guys who are making a real difference in our nation and in our city. And please come along. And if you're a business person, come along to that. Um, other than that, I get to introduce one Mr. Mr. Luto Ngebeza. And uh, Luto is our youth pastor, but he's also a fiber. And let me tell you, I met Luto and I knew him for a No, come up here, Luto. Don't be in shy, bro. I knew him for, for quite a while, and Luto comes across as a really laid-back, easygoing kind of guy, and, uh, and a lot of fun. And I was like, oh, I didn't really know, understand his vibe. And then I came to youth once, and I saw him on stage, and I was like, yo, that is like a whole, I saw a different side of this guy. And um, there's something, if you don't see someone in their gifting, you'll never really know what God's put in there. And, uh, and God has given this man a gift. He loves teenagers, and he's a, probably the funniest, best speaker. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Pressure. Um, <laughs> Father God, I just thank you for this uh, man, God. I thank you for his passion for you and the way you've let him change you, uh, uh, change him. Yeah, no one can change you. Um, but God, you, you, he's just making so much room for you to shape his life, and he's uh, sharing that with so many teenagers, God. I thank you for this man. In Jesus' name, amen. Please give him a hand. Okay, one. I'm so glad I'm not on announcements. It's harder than this. But now my heart is like sitting here because of what Gary just said. So guys, let's just talk through the rules quickly before I even introduce myself. Dad, I need to drink it all the time. As you can hear, I'm nervous. I'm speaking fast. Rule number one, just say water. If I sound stupid, say water, please. And then the second thing is that like this is a really scripture-heavy vibe. So... I'm going to read a lot. English is not my mother tongue. Don't judge me. That was the first thing about reading a lot. And then I'm going to have to look at them a lot as well. So I'm just going to keep grabbing it and drinking it when I lose my place. Bear with me. But before I carry on, um, I just want to, I guess, honor someone before they take off. They're taking off on, I think, Sunday. It's his last Sunday here, so next week he's cruising. But Mike Wagner, he's leaving. He's going to London. Uh, at least it's not Australia. Um, but... <laughs> Bro, you've been such an impact, and this is the thing, is that he's been in the background. He hasn't be, he's got such a gift for worship, such an incredible voice, and such a leadership gift on himself, but he's been so happy to do all of that stuff in the background and just build other people up. And I can, I'm sure everyone sitting up there, at least the young adult community of this church, is so, so grateful to you and the impact that you've had. And I'm sure, Ross, so on behalf of all of Olive Tree, thank you so much, bro. And like all the best for your next adventure. I'm glad I know someone so dope in London, so if... If there is time to, if it is time to move, I'm coming to you, cause. And then the second thing is Gary last week spoke about about tribes. Am I right? Yes. So I wanna bring up my tribe for a little bit. So if you guys don't know, is that I live with Sia and Mike. I mean, I lived with Sia and Mike, if you remember Mike. And then a fourth member came into the family, and his name is Ricardo. Now, if you're a uh, team night, remember Ricardo lying and saying I lied. And said I was a youth pastor. I didn't lie. I mean, I did lie. I said I was a youth pastor. And I wasn't the youth pastor at the time. So I was prophesying. <laughs> but anyways, so if you guys don't know, Rick is the same person who's standing here today. And so to look back on that journey and see a guy who came into this church like lost and confused and to two years later be leading us in worship, 
this morning when he did it, I was so smitten. I was like, <laughs> Shannon asked me if I was crying just before I was going to cry. So I was like, nah, never. So I just started drinking some water. But I'm so proud of him and, and just the rest of the house as well is because the three of us now that live together since Mike has gone, all three of us were uh, on today, I guess. So CL preached up and Kloof also did a stellar job. Ricardo's been on worship all, all day and um, now I'm preaching. And so like, I'm proud of us as well. Uh, but <laughs> in a weird sense, but I, I think that just speaks to the tribe aspect and how people build each other up. If we look at Mike and how he brought us into this little family thing and, and saw the potential in us and fought for us and put us in a community that cared, this olive tree family, and each, of one, each one of us are, are now have grown to a place where we get to give that back, and that's such a gift. And so just before I carry on, I just had to be like, yeah, well, like, well done to my tribe, and hopefully it grows, and thank you to the olive tree family, and also well done to Rick. Like, I've watched him just like, serve so faithfully. He's got an incredible voice, and he's been patient at youth and then he came into youth worship and he's been patient and serving as hard as he can there and he's just gone like I trust God I know it's going to happen so I'm not going to be crazy about it and now it's happening so I'm, yeah I'm so happy for him Rick dog like thank you <laughs> good job so anyways to intro this this week's sermon this week, week's sermon of Giants was Fall is is manner and quail I think that was called or feeding on the word something along those lines I changed it straight away to get that bread so <laughs> if you guys don't know what that phrase means, it's kind of like become a colloquial term for like get your money. So it's, it's get that bread. And so I know there's a bit of, there's some guys here crossing 30, starting to have their kids and they're fighting to stay cool. So I'm, this is my favor to you <laughs> in your last days of being young. What the teenagers are saying right now, what the young people are saying is get that bread. And so that means you get up and you go and you hustle and you get your money. But I'm not going to be teaching you how to get your money. Some synonyms, just before we carry on, I read these on Urban Dictionary, and it was just the funniest. So they say stuff like, let's eat that wheat. Let's attain the grain. Let's feast on this yeast. Let's empower the flour. Go with the dough or entrust the crust. So yeah, that's what we're going to be out. My goal is by the end of this, for everyone to be going, let's get this bread. And I'm going to say it every time I lose my place as well. I'm just going to be like, yeah, let's get this bread, man. <laughs> so with that, let's get this bread. So the crux, we're going to be working from Exodus 16. It's not going to come up behind me just yet. But the crux of it is that these guys have just, well, the Israelites have just been taken out of Egypt. God has led them out of, out of slavery, essentially, and he's taking them somewhere else. But along the way, they, they encounter challenges. Now they're a month and a half, I think it, was, it says a month and 12 days into the journey. And they've come to yet another obstacle, another mission. They, they're starving, they're hungry. If you know how the story goes, they just like, they turn to their leaders as they always do when they're starving and hungry. And they go like, why did you lead us here? Why did you bring us here? Did you just want us to die? Did God just want, us, want to bring us here to die? And so they're in that place and they're struggling. And so I'm going to pick up from verse 4. So... They're in the desert and all the rest of that's happening. And I'm going to read for long. Don't judge my English. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will, raid, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people ought to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. 
So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard you grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. This wasn't just bread, guys. This was like that wafer honey bread. So apparently it was delicious. And meat, damn. <laughs> so anyways, because he has heard you grumbling against him, who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israel community, come before the Lord, for he has heard you grumbling. Verse 10, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard you grumbling. I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. <clears throat> oh, water. Let's get this bread, man. <laughs> so this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is together as much as they need. Take an armor for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who'd gathered much did not have too much. And the one who'd gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Okay, 100%, we're done. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. We're going to work through this text, and, and here's what I want you to try to pay attention to. It's because every text that we read in the Old Testament, every kind of story in the OT is a, is a picture of a greater reality. Namely, Jesus, spoiler alert. And so we're going to work through this and, and see how this is the case for this scripture and see what God is actually doing in the process as well. So let's go. So right in the beginning, verse 4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Straight away, we know that God wants his people to trust him. To trust him. Here's what I, I don't believe. I don't believe that God gives people cancer or takes away life to test you. But I do believe that every test you come through is an opportunity to learn to trust God. And so we know that it doesn't take away life. We know that it doesn't do those things, but we do know that every opportunity you get in life, every time you're tested, there's an opportunity to trust God for more. And the, the Israelites were put in the same place. They, got, they were being challenged to learn to trust God. And here's what God is saying. He's going, hey, I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to provide radically. But there's an instruction attached. Gather what you need for today. Can you trust me for tomorrow? And so in every challenge, there's an opportunity to trust. And here's, here's the thing about this is that if you write on the miracle, yesterday, I wrote it like this, yesterday's faith is not going to be the faith that works for today. It's not going to be the way, faith that works for tomorrow. But another way of wording it, I guess, is going, yesterday's miracle is not going to be the miracle that sustains you. 
if that was the case, the Israelites just needed to see the 10 plagues. And they'd be like, I'm on board with this plan. God is with us. I've got enough faith. And the rest of the journey would have taken, apparently it's like less than a week. It's a really short walk to the promised land. 40 years they stayed in the desert. Because the first miracle, if you, if you binge on a miracle, it's not going to sustain you. We have to trust in God daily. <clears throat> and so I find this to be, or the Israelites to be, such a good representation of, of the human condition. They, they see the ten plagues. They walk, like imagine just seeing a, a sea split in part. Even never, a pond, even if a pond just did this and I got to walk through it. I'd be like, okay, God, you're real. I trust you. I wouldn't have to look back again. But they went through trial, like trial and tribulation after trial and tribulation. And they still had, a, had trouble trusting God. Like, I mean, they came as close as you could possibly come under the circumstances to walking with God. He was there in the pillow of fire by night and he was a cloud by day. And yet every time they got stuck, every time they had their backs against the wall, they're like, oh, God, why did you bring us here to die? And that's, isn't that so much like us? Is that we, we experience miracles and we, go, and we go through life and we, we're like, yeah, God, you saved me. You came through for me again. And then your back gets caught up against, against the wall again a little while later. And then you go, you're like, ah, oh, God, is this, what, is this what you brought me here for? Did you bring me here to die? And in hindsight, those guys sound stupid. Like, they sound silly for ever even doubting God after the case I've just put up that of all the things they've experienced and seen. And in fact, when they challenged Jesus, they challenged Jesus based on what they saw when Moses was leading the Israelites. So they sound silly to not believe, to not have faith for another day when God has done so much for them. But if you're in your Israel, if you're in your troubled place, if your back's against the wall, I sound stupid and your heart is fighting for disbelief. You're going, this thing is a myth. I can't, I have to hold my cards close to my chest. I have to store up what I can. But can you trust God? So, a little while ago, well, not a little while ago, a long time ago, I was, I was a kid. <laughs> and what happens when you're a kid, especially like when I, where I grew up, is that like we'd go through tough times and my mom would be like, it's going to be okay. That's all she says. She says, there's no fears. God will provide. And because you're kids, you're like, yeah, God will provide. And you're carrying the life. You don't even trust God. You just trust your mom. And then... I moved away from home. I first started at a boarding house, went through challenges at boarding house. I left. I started living in the city in grade nine with just a friend and, and myself, like Kayla's parenting. But, I... <laughs> but anyway, she's not here tonight, so I can say this stuff. <laughs> but anyways, so, so from then on, like we went through our struggles and we like went from left to right and she tried her best to be there, but I sort of moved away from her covering. I got to stand on my own feet. And what I learned from having to stand on my feet, the thing that brought me here is that I had to find God for myself and learn to trust God for myself. She could say over the phone, but I was 19 and struggling. And if she said, God will provide, I was like, yeah, sure. Because I didn't know God personally. And, and my journey of getting to know God has taken me through challenges. And, and all I've learned from the challenges is that I get to look back and I get to see God came through for me there. He came through for me here. He came through for me here. He put me around the right people here. And he's always been working for me. He's never been against me. And that just, it's a buffer. It builds a buffer, but I don't count on that first miracle to sustain me forever. 
I still go and I still get stuck and I go, God, why have you brought me out of why have you brought me out here to die? And time and time again, he redeems me, he redeems my situation. All that does is that it builds the trust I have for God. And I, I can look back over the years and go, God's got my back. Here's the thing is that in coming through for me, God revealed certain parts of himself. And in the beginning, in the first season of being here, what I needed to learn was grace. I didn't know that at the time, but what I needed to learn was grace. And so I was just getting showered with his grace, and he just would not stop fighting for me, and he would not stop forgiving me, because before that, my whole life growing up in a Christian household is that I'd get started, and I'd be fired up, and I'd do something, and then I'd, I can't go back to God until I get my thing together. And then that gap would grow bigger and bigger, and so God just filled me with his grace, and, he, and, and I got through the first year. A year later, I, just, I learned that he didn't just have grace for me. He actually loved me. This guy wasn't just forgiving me because forgiving is the in-fashion thing. He loved me personally and he cared about me deeply. And you ask Mike, you ask Alec, you ask the boys, they'll tell you the only thing I could speak about that whole year was just how much God loves people. And funny enough, that's when Rick came into the picture. That's what Rick needed to hear when he came into here. He was just going, I'm lost and confused, like, help me. And he didn't know he needed that. I just, bruh, I don't know anything else. I know God loves you and he's like, he just loves you and he loves you and he loves you. And that happened to be enough for that season. But what the points I'm trying to make is that you get a revelation for every season and God is something different to you for every season. But I can't dwell on that season. I'll meet another challenge and and through it, I can look at it through the lens of going, okay, I'm struggling. God brought me here to kill me and go back to the life I'm used to. Or can fight forward and pursue growth because there's a lesson in every test. And there's an opportunity to learn to trust God. And so, let's get the spirit. <laughs> so anyways, you got... <laughs> this is so fun. Uh... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. For those of you who missed it, I tried to speak into the water bottle. So... He goes on to say in verse 6, So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see, that the, glory, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard you grumbling against him. And in the evening you will know. This should be one of those, those lines that grip you like, like, but God. When you hear but God in a story, it's like, Whoo, what's going to happen? And I, I get so much comfort in, in the evening you will know. And what we can pull out of that is that because I have heard your grumbling, God hears your grumbling. He hears you even when you're not grumbling. He sees you. He's with you and he's, he's there personally and he's going, I will provide for you. In the morning you will see my glory and in the evening you will know that I took you out of your slavery. Every time I look back, like I said, I, I get to a, a, a sunken place or a stuck place and, and God comes through for me so radically and then I get to look back and I go... Yes, Lord, I know, and I'll talk you through the, the last one of them. I was the year before last year, it's such a long time ago now, but I keep like badgering on it because of how intense the lesson was. And when I'd reached the end of myself, when my back was completely against the wall, like I, I remember stopping just across the road here and looking back on my life to that point, the thing that had gotten me there. And it was God, I truly believed, God, you've taken me out of Egypt, you've brought me here. Surely this whole thing hasn't been for nothing. And I, like, I, I said it with a, 
a grumble in my spirit. And that morning I saw the glory of God as heaven's gates opened and like blessing after blessing. What I needed that day was a job. By the end of that day, I turned down three, three jobs and taken two. <laughs> heaven's gates. And, and before that, I'd given up. I was leaving. But that was like it's such a picture of that, just knowing. And in the evening, I knew. I knew that God hadn't brought me here for nothing, and he certainly hadn't brought me here to die. And so I got to move on. <clears throat> Get some bread. And so I got to look forward to the next thing, and, and I got to trust in God. Again, my trust was built on God. And then it goes on to verse 16. This is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the Oma, the one who gathered much did not have much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So now I'm going to change lanes. Remember that spoiler I told you about. So here's the setup to it, because I've said that everything that happens in the Old Testament, you can look at it as a story, and you can be like, oh, cool, man, they got challenged and tested, and they grew, and they, excuse me, and they finally made it to the promised land. Yay, God. Or you can take the lessons I've just spoken about, and that's the first layer. But the even deeper layer is that all of it is in some way pointing to Jesus. So we're going to look at how. So in John, in John 6, 32 to 35, Jesus says this. It says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's, let's just walk through that a little bit. So what had happened just before is that he'd just done some miracles. I think it was the bread and basket miracle, and they wanted to make him king by force. So he retreated to the other side of Lake Galilee, I think, and his disciples came to find him there. And when people spoke to him, they were going, give us another miracle so we can believe in you. Exactly what I'm saying, trying to live from miracle to miracle. You can't live from miracle to miracle because it won't sustain you. And Jesus tells them the same thing. So then they say, what can we do then? And he tells them about the bread. Because they asked for a sign here. They said, give us a sign like Moses gave us a sign. Like he bought bread and manna and quail. And he says, it's not Moses who gave you the bread. It's my father who gave you the bread. One. Then, they go, then he goes, actually, I am that bread. I am the true bread from heaven. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So here's the invitation. The invitation is to trust Jesus. The invitation we read about in verse 4 of, of Exodus 16, when translated here is, because I'm the true bread, can you put your trust in me? I have heard you. And I still hear you. I will know you're grumbling forever and more, forevermore. Can you put your trust in me? And then you walk on to verse 6. It says, gather as much as you need. Come to me every day. Get as much as you need of me. I am and I have everything you'll ever need. And everything I have is enough for you. 
We know that when he gathered, when he said gather, the one who had too little didn't have too little, and the one who gathered much didn't have too much. Is because every day, Jesus has got something for you, and he's got enough. Can you trust him to have enough for you? He goes and echoes this principle in Matthew 6, verse 25, when he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, what you will eat or what you will drink. The plants don't do it. Why should you? Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. Trust in me. I looked at the, the definition of provision according to the, to the dictionary. I nearly said according to the Bible. It says provision is a s- supplies of food, drink, or equipment, especially for a journey. And here's the thing is that this thing that we're on is a journey. But he's not just talking about supplies of food or drink. He's talking about something so much greater, something so much more satisfying, something so much more filling. So that, like the song says, you can stand in the middle of your storm and you can praise Jesus because you've got what you needed that day despite your circumstance. Despite an empty stomach, you can trust in a God who knows you and knows your heart. You can believe for a miracle when you're not in a miracle. Your faith can grow in the desert. And when he teaches them to pray, he says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily provision. Give us, they say the word for manna, it means what is it? Because they asked what it was. And, and the question you should be asking is, what is it you have for me today, Jesus? When they asked them and they said, may we always have this bread. They were asking the right question. Jesus, give us today our daily bread. Give us today what it is we need today. And may it be enough. To some people, just in closing, this sounds what could I call it, like abstract, sounds very abstract, like you're going to someone you don't know in prayer going, Jesus, give me something that's going to fill me more than food. Give me something that's going to quench my thirst more than water. And, and it sounds abstract, but here's, 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 let me like try to realize it for you, is that the more time you spend with Jesus and the more you you spend time in his word, and that's another Christian cliche. Spend time in his word is not a cliche, it's the truth. But the more you spend in his word, because his word is, is living and breathing, and it never returns empty. When he said, yeah, I will rain down provision, he wasn't lying, and never ever in the history of scripture, he said, I will do something and not done it. Can you trust that every day that you read something, even though it seems empty, if I have to read it a thousand times, there's something in there for me. In the simplicity of a line like, uh, what is it, verse 13, something with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. On some days, that doesn't do anything to me. But I read it, and I meditate on it, and I look at it, because I believe that it's alive and breathing. And it's going to be enough. If there's nothing else I'm getting from Jesus, that's going to be enough for, for today. And then I spend time as well. There's a scripture, now I'm really reaching, but... But there's a time when Jesus is asked what are the most important commandments in the Bible when the ten, of the Ten Commandments. And he says, the one is to love your father with all your heart, might, soul. And the second is like to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And here's the thing is that if you don't spend time in the word and with Jesus himself, you're incapable of loving other people well. I think I'm just going to end it there. Let's get this ready. (laughs) But for real, you're incapable of 
loving people well, and I think that translates to all of life. If you're not getting anything filling into you, you're incapable of making good decisions throughout your day. You're incapable of loving people the way they need to be loved. Get that bread. In fact, get that good bread. That bread that's going to sustain you through easy times, good times, and tough times. The bread that's going to get you through when you're standing in a hard time and your back's against the wall. You can say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you're good. My situation doesn't look like it, but I trust in you and I believe that you've got me. That in the good times, you can not wander off too far and have to find yourself in a hard place before you look back again. That's the bread we need. I really really don't know how else to end this, so I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you so much for your work from the beginning. Thank you for coming after our hearts with such a vengeance. Thank you that in the whole DNA of the book, you'd always planned that your son would come and he'd be the ultimate sacrifice to give us access to you, to give us access to your peace, to give us access to your joy despite suffering. Thank you that we get to feast on Jesus, spend time with Jesus, and in that way grow closer to you, learn to walk like you and talk like you. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.